All right, here we are, Lawyer Talk. I think we're live. It says we are. It says we are live. Lawyer Talk off the record on the air, the first live stream, the first real live stream anyway, of a show. So if you're watching, you're probably not. If you're listening, you probably you probably are. Why? Because no, we haven't told anybody we're doing this because this is a... It's really a test. It's really a beta test. We're kind test. of just testing it out there. I don't know. Maybe I know, we do have people that subscribe to our YouTube channel. They're getting noticed. So they, they might get a notice. They're getting a notice. Although I never now. get the notice. Shorty gets notice for the podcast. I subscribe to our own podcast and they don't even give me a notice. Yeah, there's some setup features I'm sure you're not employing. No, I looked at it. <laughs> no. <laughs> Notifications on. No, no. Well, she's giving us a buck a month, right? Maybe, maybe it's just like Shorty a little bit better. Look, if you're a Patreon, you get to see this. Sure. Um, anyway, this is Lawyer Talk off the record on the air. We ordinarily every Wednesday do a phone in with the Blitz, but it turns out they want to have a uh, a spring break too. They're on spring break. I don't. They have a family. Well, they have kids. Oh, camp. but oh. you're right. No, the entire Blitz has kids and they're all taking. A well, break. Randy Loper. That, oh, so yeah. they get days off too, as oh, it turns right. out. Well, right. Now, lawyer, not us. I'd uh, rather heard vacation. A vacation, spring break. See, you're, you're, you're clearly, <laughs> people, people you're clearly use, a man pe- without pe- kids. Pe- <laughs> people are trying to, to, to work the spring break in to vacation. Like, I didn't go on vacation. That was spring break. That, right. <laughs> it's like, no, that was a vacation. <laughs> that was practice. That was a practice. Vacations vacation. happen in the summer. I think I think Jared has a giant button on his forehead on this one. Yeah, Vaca- uh, spring vacations. break. They'll get spring break. It's in high school. My favorite spring break though is the ones that happened like I think it was Myrtle Beach Bike Week. Oh yeah, and uh, a bunch of it's around the same time as spring break. Sure is. And yeah. uh, I've seen these th- these families bring their kids to the beach because they're going to take them out for spring break. Spring right, break, right? right? And what they didn't realize or were not told. Is that there's going to be six hundred thousand bikers that are going to be there? I mean, that's family friendly. And, oh, uh, there's going to the be weeks of it. Uh, yeah, yeah. And there's plenty of 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 shirtless men and women walking around. Oh God! And uh, I've seen the video. A lot of them are painted, though. You know, so it's all good. So whale watching. And uh, it's yeah, yeah, it's a- <laughs> you got to wade through a lot to get to the ones you really want to see. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. I mean, I, I've been down, I, I think it was Daytona one time. They just do bike in Daytona, bike week, and I was down there. Oh, that's the, the and, freaking uh, mecca for... <laughs> I was down there, and um, for whatever reason, it just happened to be Daytona bike week. And look, I didn't have kids with me, but it wouldn't have been kid-friendly if I did. So, no. Daytona no. bike week usually coincides with uh, the racing. So you'll have, like, the vintage bike racing at the Daytona Speedway. And then the cars will come in, NASCAR, like the week right after, but they come in and it's, oh my God, it's, if you go down to Key West, that's also, um, what is that, Fat Wednesday or whatever, Fat Tuesday? The Fat Tuesday. You'll get, you'll get those people down there, because I did that once when I was at Bike Week and then Mm. rode down to Key West. Man, that was an eclectic mix. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Jeez. Well, that's it. I saw these families coming in, and they were literally. I, the, the mother looked scared. I mean, because their, their kids were. I mean, their kids were maybe like you know, ten and thirteen. <laughs> what did they expect? You know what I mean? Though? Well, they expect they, they this, and this know. one wasn't Daytona Beach. This was Myrtle Beach. Okay. And uh, what but what did they geez. expect? They they were expected to take their kids to the beach. And then, uh, and you got to remember, it's like some of these guys didn't get hotel rooms, so they're literally sleeping oh, on the sleep- beach. Yeah, oh, they're yeah. just sleeping around, and you know what I mean. Wherever, and and they're they're having a good time. Yeah, oh, they're indulging in that- plenty of adult activities. Right. 
<laughs> and um, if you've ever seen Mad Max, the first one, um, the vacationers that come there and then they see the bikers, the literally the mothers will snatch their kids up like it's freaking they'll like run down the street. And it's like bikers are harmless. They really are. They won't do it. It's just loud. Right. Loud. And just. And, you know, poor kids are freedom covering rain. their ears. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and for God's sake, don't uh, go there after dark. <laughs> right now, Shorty, we're just keeping this going. Yeah. Shorty texted <laughs> well, in that she's listening live right now, but not getting video. Oh, okay. <clears throat> so, you know, we're on the, we're on the beta <laughs> test here. We've got, we've got our team members yeah. out there right now that are uh, <laughs> giving us feedback. Giving us tips. <laughs> feedback. And, and right now, we are live, but we just don't have video. So, no, we have how a, is that? Uh, who knows? We'll, we'll have to call our uh, production crew. And Want me in the out. stream? It's fine. Um, no, no. Let's keep it going. Yeah. We'll keep it going. Um, at least it's, uh, they're getting the audio. So, All right. um, anyway, it is lawyer talk. Even though we don't have the blitz, we are, we are still going to talk. And there's lots of stuff going on, lots of news going on. I mean, we got what, like police shootings again? Again? again. We is got that the, the Minnesota? Shelvin trial. Yeah. Well, yeah. Or there's two things the Minnesota thing, and then this dude in uh, Virginia, uh, this lieutenant in the, uh, was he a light colonel or in the Air Force? I forget what he was, but a lieutenant hmm. uh, was pulled over and treated rather poorly by the Popo. Then we have the Chauvin trial, which is ongoing and not ongoing well, I think, for the defense. I've, I've had some comments on this last week, but now that I've watched more and paid attention more, I got some, uh, I have some less optimistic predictions for Mr. Chauvin. Uh, and, uh, and then we have right here in Columbus, Ohio, we got St. Anne's Hospital, some chaos going on there and rioting last night. Man, it's just like the world is upside down. Not to mention, Jay, the vaccines. I know you love vaccines. Uh, yeah. And uh, so now the J&J, Johnson and Johnson vaccine has been yanked from the shelves. Um, and you could either look at that one of two ways. Either there's six people that got sick. Why would you yank it? Or how could there only be six people that got sick if they yanked it? So in other words, maybe they're not being totally honest. Now, that wouldn't be Fauci and the government being less than honest because, you know, we trust them. Anyway, so let's start with, uh, I guess, what started the Chauvin trial. You guys been watching that? Jared, I know you had some commentary when you came in. You're like, eh. Not looking good for Mr. Chavez. I, I, I do believe there's looking to be a guilty verdict. A guilty I don't, verdict. I don't know which one or where it's going to go. There's multiple that can go down on, but uh, there will be a guilty verdict, I do believe. Yeah, other predictions. Are you guys watching? Jay, you watching? No, you I don't. Watch I am watching. I'm just going off of what we talk about here at the round table. And I, I went off of your prediction, what, a week, two weeks ago, that he's at least going to get 10. Yeah. Or whatever. Well, he'll be convicted uh, of the of the third charge, right. which I think could get him up to 10 years. And that's uh, that would that would that be in Ohio. Sense. Yeah. In Ohio, that would be like a, we call that involuntary manslaughter, meaning, well, under their statute, as I recall, it said as a result of gross criminal negligence or criminal negligence on their part or on the police part. Uh, he caused the death of of uh, George Floyd, and I know when I was talking about this last time, there was some. I thought there was going to be a big, contentious problem with causation of death, but then the state went and paraded a half a dozen or so experts through, maybe not that many, but um, that talked about how asphyxiation was exacerbated or caused by a blockage that was exacerbated or caused by Derek Chauvin's knee on uh, Floyd's neck. Uh, now, the, the defense, to be completely uh, candid about it, has not presented their side of that. There's not been defense experts yet on causation, but the, the, the cross-examination of those experts was less than uh, effective, I think, in the sense that uh, I don't, I'm not sure that, that the defense was able to poke enough holes into the causation to make that 
its sole defense. So this is, you know, and, and I guess, Jared, you've been there and we prepare these cases. It's like you have like all these avenues of possible arguments you can make to defend a case. One might be there's no causation of death in this type of case. In other words, what Chauvin did was not the reason that Floyd died. And then you've got another possible thing here, like what Chauvin did was not intentional. He didn't do it on purpose. He didn't want to do, he didn't want to cause the death. And there's varying degrees of criminal intent. Uh, the last charge requires only negligence, meaning like uh, like a, a gross mistake of sorts. And uh, but for his, gro- but for is not the right word, but his approximate result, approximate <coughs> result of his, uh, of his not uh, being on the stick here to some known circumstances, like the guy wasn't breathing, or there was people yelling at him to, hey, look, he's he's fine, whatever, or he's not doing well, and etc. That would be gross negligence that that could approximately cause uh, the death. Now, as far as doing it on purpose, I think they still have a problem with that. Doesn't mean he won't be convicted of it, but I still think there is a concern. Uh, if I'm prosecuting the case that I, I, as I, I'm sure the world or lots of the world will disagree, but I am not going to accept that Derek Chauvin did this on purpose to kill George Floyd. I don't see that. Um, nor do I see any evidence yet that it was based on race. I mean, I, you can, people are going to go throw stones at me all day long on that, but it, look, if you can prove it, prove it. If you can't prove it, don't prove it. I mean, I, but don't just presume it, not in a courtroom. You know, that's, that's our world. Um, and I, I, I do think though that his what we're seeing on the video and as and as described by the use of force experts, et cetera. Now, it's starting to look to me like, well, didn't we predict this right afterwards? He just looked like a power tripping cop who was not going to be told what to do, and that's sort of what's coming through. And trained to ignore, correct. Well, uh, the, the shouts from the crowd and stuff. He's the one in control. Sure, and that's just controls the right word, right? So this and that's they burned him with the medic that was there. And that's that's going to be the big burn. Well, that's going to be a big, I believe, yeah, in the, the jury's one mind. Up. The actual medic, the not ag- not the civilian medic. No, the actual, the actual medic, yeah. medic that was there that is on record of saying, "Okay, enough, enough, right, enough." And you and know, that's a teammate now. Mm, okay. You know what I mean? I would mm-hmm. I would have to say that's a first responder teammate. That is somebody that you should be, you know, maybe you're not communicating with the crowd, right? but this is this is a teammate now. He had backup. He had two other guys. By that time, yes. And, uh, you know what I mean? And he just, like I said, I was talking to Steve, I was like, man to man, you'd have to go to him and be like, all right, bro, it's enough. Enough's enough, man. Enough. Back How on. big was you the crowd? Uh, probably a dozen people more or so. I mean, it was an, it's, and here's part of the problem. So if back, that's a good question because it gets us back to the defense side where, you know, you've got this avenue where you can say, all right, what's our defense? Is it going to be that he didn't proximately cause the death of George Floyd? Rather, it was caused instead by a drug overdose or fentanyl or his other heart condition. And that's what I thought last week when we were hearing, when I was reading the sort of the contra news, you know, not, not the mainstream, but the other stuff. Uh, and then you have another avenue, which is, Chauvin didn't do it on purpose. Now, that's for you defense lawyers or criminal lawyers out there. You know what I mean. I mean, he's not like he acted purposely, but with the proper criminal intent to commit murder. He didn't do it with the intent to kill. Now, he may have done it negligently, which is also criminal intent. And that's why the third is there. So if you're defense, you might be thinking, all right, that's a good way that we can legally defend this case. So first option, causation. Second option, intent. And then you get into this third sort of related area that I, I feel is not being 
hasn't been uh, clarified enough, and that is police have to act reasonably under the circumstances. They're, it's not it, they get a little bit of a break in what they're doing because they can respond to what they are dealing with. And what happens, I guess, what I see happening in this case is particularly yesterday, the defense called an expert, their own use of force expert. And I think this went abysmally. I think it was a horrible, horrible witness for the defense. I mean, uh, it really, really did not go well because it's not, it's getting, it's turning into a slice it and dice it terminology battle about what is force, what is excessive force, what is too much or what is a, what is a hold and what is a restraint versus what is force. And this expert got in this semantical argument with the prosecutor who did a phenomenal job cross-examining him about, he said, well, look, it's not force. It's not a use of force, says the expert, if it doesn't inflict pain. And, you know, that's a, I know what he meant when he said that on direct examination, but quickly on cross-examination, that got turned against him because, because you can just imagine, well, you don't think Mr. Floyd felt pain when he was, had his face in the pavement? course he felt pain so therefore it's forced by your definition and the experts like well yeah i guess hmm. and i think what the what the expert was trying to say which did not come out on direct the way it probably could have is that it has to do with a control mechanism used by the officers or employed by the officers to limit further uh, resistance meaning I'm going to, and he was the same expert was talking about like uh, grabbing or using uh, holds at pressure points on suspects. So, if I've got you, everybody's seen like the arm behind with the with the wrist or something. Now I'm doing that. Now that causes pain when I'm doing that, but I don't think that's the pain that the expert was talking about. He he, what he was saying is, if the guy tends to resist or starts to resist more, you can you can employ some force there that will that is designed to cause pain, not fatal pain, obviously, but pain that will say, look, dude, move again. It's really going to freaking hurt. Stop. It's a control mechanism. And unless you're inflicting pain like that, he says, it's not use of force. And I think what he was really saying is the force continuum, meaning as it escalates, ceases right there, pauses right there. So once the hold, once the, what he was trying to say is once uh, Chauvin's knee was on Floyd's neck and he was held down, face down, that was not a use of force. I mean, it was in the sense that it was a use of force to get to that point, but it didn't escalate anymore. Now, that caused pain, but not additional pain that was required to uh, gain compliance on something more. That got twisted around. And Isn't the compliant well, kneel, though, supposed to be on the shoulder and not on the neck? I've heard cons- inconsistent versions, and I wish I would have seen more of this trial to know that. Because I've seen a couple experts and, and uh, the police chief from somewhere else and a few other that they were saying that, he was doing the holding properly. Yeah, I've heard that, but I've also heard others that say he did it. That's how he's trained to do it. And you know, I, I think so. That washes that out to the jury. The, the jury's got to figure that out. And then you've got this other avenue of defense. That again, you've been there when we're talking about this stuff. It's like, all right, so he was not using the hold perfect or perfectly. What was his intent there, and what was he trying to do? I mean, are we going to hold officers to perfection or not? And it's a it's a dangerous road going down defense wise. And 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 I guess anybody who's out there saying, "Well, you're a racist, and you're this, you're that," for bringing this up, I say, shut up and listen, because what I'm talking about is some clinical, technical, legal stuff. I mean, you can take it out of this case and make everybody 
uh, stick figures. I don't care. It's not about identities. This is about what the law is and how we would defend the case. Um, it, what I'm saying is how just because he used a hold, the knee hold, and he did it imperfectly, the question becomes from the defense, is that necessarily mean he's guilty of murder? So it, it, like you can mistakenly or you're not expected to have perfection all the time. Now, in the practical realm of this case, that's a tough argument. We would have to kick it around. So it would be, all right, so he didn't do the hold perfectly, and uh, how does that fit then into this notion of causation? So if he didn't do the hold perfectly and he's got, his, he's got this guy's neck constricted such that he can't breathe, all right, well, now we got to deal with that fact. But at least we can say it wasn't like he was doing it on purpose. He just wasn't doing it perfectly. And nine times out of ten or whatever the statistics would be, I've heard other testimony that, look, this is not, a, uh, this is not the kind of hold that, is in, that really kills people regularly or results in death regularly. This, is, this was a weird, fluky set of circumstances where you had a guy with constricted arteries anyway. You had a guy who was probably jacked up on methamphetamines and fentanyl anyways. And he had the quintessential, we call it in law, the eggshell skull. He was already in a condition that made him susceptible to this. Hmm. Now, the eggshell skull rule, a lot of jurisdictions adopt this, where if I hit you, Jared, in the face and you've had your motorcycle accident, and because of that, your skull is uh, fragile and I kill you, well, I'm still responsible. It's not, I don't have to foresee that. You know, it's like, I, you know, I have, to, I have to have the intent to throw the punch, not to kill necessarily. But then there's a limit. You know, then you have all these one-punch homicides. If somebody, I hit you, you hit the ground, you die because you hit the curb weird. Am I responsible for murder there or just an assault? And in Ohio, anyway, they, we, the law of self-defense would leave room for just an assault there. I didn't intend to hurt you or kill you. Um, I just intended to punch you. And this is what this expert for the defense was trying to say on direct, and it, it got lost in a pretty good and a really good cross-examination, and that is, Look, deadly force isn't just force that causes death. It's it's a little more nuanced than that. I mean, if I a deadly force would be me shooting you, well, clearly that's deadly force. But what if I tased you? You fell back over the top of a uh, of an end table in a living room, um, went head over heels, tried to get up, slipped on a banana peel, and went down the stairs and knocked your head and died. Is that deadly force? Well, I mean, if you take the simple definition, you died. Of course, you're dead. That's deadly force. That's what my criminal law professor would have said back in law school. But he was wrong um, because you have to bake into the level of force, I think, a sliding factor for proximate cause and some external things that intervene. And this is where I think if I were defending the case, I would go. Knowing now what these experts have said, and let me just say this, the defense knew going in what the experts were going to say. They have the reports. They understand this. They should know this. Mm-hmm. And they needed to go to school on it. And I'm not sure I would have done what they're doing. You know, I would have been a little bit more nuanced about this. If you got a bunch of experts that are going to come in and say that your client caused the death because he restricted the airway, um, one of two things has to be true. Either A, you better be ready for that and have a strategy and a theory of defense that fits. Or B, you better have some really, really good experts in your back pocket that are going to come in and say, no, they're wrong and here's why. I don't like B all the time, and I don't think they're necessarily inconsistent. I think there's a lot of ways you can have A and B at the same time if you weave it into the theory uh, of your defense. And, and that would be, look, this is a dynamic situation. This is a police officer. This is a guy who is 
not only worried about uh, Floyd, he's worried about all these other people. This looks like this is nine or 12 minutes of, of our time, but in his head with the adrenaline rushing, this is a flash of, of light. This is like... If this would have happened before cell cameras, they'd have cracked him in the head and stuffed him in the back of that car. Yeah, well, that's a conversation. We're going to talk about this because this is... Um, uh, you know, I mean, it would have been totally different. This well, is he, the wouldn't been, he wouldn't have been kneeling. Steve, I have two questions, if I may. Yep. Uh, so deadly force would be that Minnesota where that woman shot that guy? Yeah, now this is an interesting one because the woman... Can you imagine trying a murder murder trial with a police officer on trial for killing a suspect? And in your city, it happens again, again. during your trial. Right. Be like, or your state. Was it in Minnesota? It was in yeah, uh, Minnesota. Was it in the city? Yeah. Yep. yeah. I saw the video on that one, and you can hear Ugh. when she realizes she shot him because she said they were saying they were going to tase him. And I was, and I was looking at the tase video him, too, and she was saying, tase, tase him, tase him. I was like, it doesn't look like a taser. No. So, well, that gets to my other question. And this, just take it out of all this. What if I'm trained in a certain way on how to subdue a sub suspect, right? Yeah. I go through all this training. I have experience, all right? I have 20 years experience. I've been in a bunch of tussles with, with people, guys. What if I use the same technique, the guy doesn't feel pain for whatever reason? Well, no, that, that happens all the time So because he's doped or whatever. Right. Well, then how does, how does, how does that come out in court and how do how do you, how do you defend or how do you present that? And well, before we get, before we get into this, I just want to bring up one thing really quick on this. How many traffic stops happen in a day? Oh my God, probably hundreds of thousands, I, I mean, maybe a let's million. Let's really think about that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So if you wanted to take these numbers, I mean, these are horrible things that they happen. Are. Don't don't get me wrong on that. But if you do a statistic that runs through the the how it, it, many sure. happen in a day that this is, this is very, not the situation? This is a very rare bird, right? This is a rare bird. Now, you know, it's it, look, one time is too many. Yes. But at least admit that instead of painting a picture like it happens all the time. Because it doesn't happen all the time. It just no, doesn't. And and it happens to all sorts of races and genders, et cetera. I think there was some, I read some stat like since, 20, since 2020 or 2019, there's been 500 white guys killed by police. 500? Yeah. Now, I don't know the circumstances. I don't know the circumstances of uh, how many black guys were killed by police. I don't even know if the white guys were armed or unarmed or all of them. But it, I guess the point is that I think it, it makes more sense, instead of drawing broad generalizations, to look at them individually to see what really happened in each one and then assess it. It's the problem with stats. They always just get statted. You know, they stay. And, and used the way you want them to be used. Yeah, you can, well. you can skew the bell curve however you want it yeah. to. I mean, you can take the peripherals and then make the middle look really big. Um, if the peripherals are enormous, then the middle goes up. I mean, that's the problem. But I guess we, we got a little bit to go back on. Jay, your question was, was that deadly force out of that gal, the police officer who thought she was grabbing a taser or grabbing a taser, yet she was grabbing an actual gun, shot the guy and says, oh, crap. I mean, look, it's deadly force, but she didn't intend it to be deadly force. Right, it, was so an, do you it was a mistake. Okay, so that's what I was getting. So she thought she had a taser. Yeah. So at least that's what that's what the. And how much initial... experience did that person have? I don't know. I don't know. Um, and it, well, I think it, we're going to talk a little bit more about the Floyd okay. defense, and I want to or the Chauvin defense. I want to get back to that because I, I think this is a product. We're going to see more and more of that for reasons that that I don't think people intended. But 
Yeah, she didn't do that on purpose. Let's assume she did not do that on purpose. She instead drew her gun, shot the guy, thought she was tasing him. Well, then again, she didn't intend to cause the death. That's that criminal intent. We still in this country have, uh, based on English common law that goes way, 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 way back, you have to have two big elements to have a crime. You have to have criminal intent and you have to have an act. And if you don't have criminal intent, then you don't have a crime. Now, criminal intent now has been written into law with different varying degrees. Like the word, the most extreme intent would be, I did it on purpose. I, I, I wanted to cause your death on purpose because I hate you. And then maybe I'm acting uh, not on purpose, but I know the things I'm doing are risky enough that should cause your death. So I did it knowingly. So if I'm uh, spinning or like pulling a pin on a grenade and throwing it up and trying to catch it and I don't, you know, it's like you might end up knowingly there. Or then you have reckless behavior. You're driving down the road or you're, uh, say I'm just, I'm swinging a chain around and I don't know anybody's around, but I'm just swinging it around, having a good time, and I'm in a cra- and I'm in a parking lot. It's like, all right, that's pretty damn reckless. If I hit somebody in the face and kill them, that's going to be reckless. And then there's negligent. Um, I run a stop sign, or I, I I miss a traffic light, and I and I run into somebody and I cause their death. Well, I've acted negligently, but I didn't intend to kill them. I didn't do it on purpose. And those are sort of how the criminal intent works. And so, in the, and then you have another notion called accident or mistake, I guess, mistake of fact, meaning, all right, well, I pulled my gun, but I really thought I was pulling my taser. And that's understood that that's the fact. I might be negligent. I might be reckless even. Um, but I, I clearly didn't have the purpose or intent to kill. Now, you could argue with that and say, no, she's lying about the fact. She really wanted to kill this person. Well, maybe, but you you better be able to prove if you're going to take that on. And then you've got this idea that um, what is her training and what are the, like like you said, what's her experience? Well, you know, you have to bake that into the equation. But I think she gets convicted of something. I think that's a man's, that's an involuntary manslaughter. Really? I think so. All right, um, so can you go back to the other thing, the the intricacies of trying to subdue? And I'm not trying to relate it to this. I'm just saying, in general. Well, it, it, it is relatable to this because this is what this expert yesterday testified about, both on directed crime. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, you have you have something in law in the in police world called use of force continuum, meaning what is the escalation of force that is allowed? And you know, you can't. You can't whack somebody on a head on their head if they're not resisting. You know, you have a use of force continuum. You don't just get to jump ahead and and use deadly force if you don't need it. And you know, they're they're trained on on all sorts of things in black and white in the books in the classroom on this use of force continuum. And among the things they're trained on is like if you, you want to try to inflict pain. Now that sounds so this sounds so draconian. Like I want to inflict pain on somebody, but it's like it's not it's not pain that's designed to injure them forever. It's not like the old days where they would, like you said, Jared, just bash them with a with their billy club and yeah, say, just, get in a damn car. <laughs> Instead, what they do, they have submission techniques where they're going to like twist the joints and manipulate and do these things. It, it really hurts, but it, it's not meant to or intended to cause real injury. It's just like, listen, dude, I could really hurt you. You better comply. And you can slowly escalate. And then you get to the situation where what if somebody can't feel pain? What if they're really drugged up? Well, then you get the, if you follow the continuum, you get to use whatever force is next that will get you compliance. And that could be a, a restraint hold. That could be, you know, the old hog tie where they do your legs and your wrists. And then this expert yesterday was talking about, well, if you've got this submission hold, don't you have like a risk of, of self, I forget what they call it, asphyxiation, self asphyxiation or something, where your own weight causes you to suffocate. 
And, you know, the, this guy was saying, look, that's a risk if you're obese, but if you're not obese, generally you don't worry about that one. And then eventually you're going to get to this question. What if there's a condition that this guy has that you're not aware of that, that makes this hold, whatever it is you're choosing to use, possible or possibly deadly? And everybody sort of pauses like, oh, that's a good question. Well, I don't know. I mean, maybe let's, let's, let's take the best case scenario for Chauvin. He didn't know that Floyd had a condition that whatever he was doing, that is Chauvin was doing to him, was going to cause death. You know, it's like it's a hard question. And if I'm trying the case, that's where I'd be, I think. I'd have to, I'd have to, I need to know. All, I, there's a lot more I don't know, obviously. But if I had to try this case, that's where I would be because that is a way to say, listen, folks, I know what this use of force continuum is and I know what their policies are and I know what their practices are. But like anything in the world, when you took your driver's exam and you read all the rules on how you're supposed to do this and do that and look to the left and look to the right, nobody told you what to do when some guy was coming at you and swerved in the middle of your lane going 55 miles an hour and you've got the Boy Scout troop over on this side and you've got somebody else on your other side and you don't have anywhere to go. It's like you can't train for that. Your instinct takes over to some extent and your training is only a basis that's a jumping off point where you then have to make decisions and you don't have time and you don't have the opportunity to always get it right. And yeah, you know, the, the, the response to that is going to be, well, come on, man, nine minutes. And you got to be ready for that argument. And you have to say, listen, here's the thing. <clears throat> if you're going to accept, and look, I'm not saying this is, this is not to say he's guilty or not guilty, or I think he's guilty or not guilty. I think he's going to get convicted of the third thing. But if I'm arguing, I would say, this is not, if you have to accept in order to believe this, that, that Chauvin knew he was killing Floyd. If you think that he knew he was killing Floyd and he was doing it on purpose, then that's a different story, ladies and gentlemen. But I think we've all seen this. We've all heard enough to know that for whatever reason, this occurred in his head. And we'll get to that in a second. But it just defies logic. It defies the facts. And it defies everything we know about this officer to say he knew that he was killing George Floyd. They wanted to fit into that narrative. They wanted to fit into the story that, that uh, he did it on purpose. But, you know, that's a hell of a thing to say. That what's, when he did this, what's uh, Chauvin's uh, police record like? And he's got a couple complaints, but it's not horrible, I don't think. No, he's got a number. Does he? Yeah. Of, yeah. of excessive force type things? Yeah, we have to look back into it. I guess I want to get back to it. a few but, things. But I'm pretty sure when I looked it up when this first came out that he was involved in a number of, of things. Unless I'm thinking of a there was officer. another incident he was involved in, but I don't think it was all that. Well, either way, so what's his, it's a good question. You'd want to know that. Yeah. Um, I'm asking because I literally haven't watched. Yeah, yeah I don't watch I don't TV remember. anymore. I don't watch it in a year. And it seems like that information came out early because I'm sure that was the first thing people want to look at. It's like, what's his history? What's his history? Yeah, you what's his? Is he and a racist? It seems you're right, Jared, that there was something, but I don't know the extremities of. It didn't what seem they awful were. to me. I forget. But I, I'm a little bit cows too because I see a lot of this. I get the. It's like there's a lot of complaints against a lot of officers. Well, and that's what I was going to say, Steve. We see this as just people that aren't involved in the system at all. Unless, yeah. unless we've been popped. Other than that, I have no idea. Cop tells me to get down, I'm going to get down. Yeah, there is that, right? So, I mean, and, I, and that's the other part of this defense, that you have to be careful. You don't want to go there and blame. Uh, you, you got, because there is the real-world logic, and then there's like what's going to win a trial in the, in the face of all this, all this controversy. But 
I would be at this spot where, look, ladies and gentlemen, if you're going to say that he intended to kill George Floyd that day when he started his continuum of force, then that's a whole different story. But I don't think that's it. I don't think anybody here thinks that he's set out there that day to kill this man. So then you have to understand or ask, and we, our job is to figure out how it happened. We got, he's, he's I just, just looked up this guy's record. Like what is it? Sorry. Oh, man, he's a former military police officer. I know these guys. They are hard-charging dudes, man, and they will crack you over the head with a freaking baton. Yeah, well. Because they're used to, I mean, the Army is the least, the lowest common denominator is what moves the chain forward. Literally, I've seen guys go out on live fire ranges drunk. I was in my tank, and we were shooting 50 cal. Two dudes come out of the freaking wood line, drunker than hell. We saw them, and I'm like, oh, man, come on, LT. Just go right over their head. <laughs> Just scare the crap out of them. <laughs> and he wouldn't do it, and he called it in. And, you know, we're looking at our night vision. We see plain as day, and these guys are flipping us off and shit. Oh, my God. They told everybody else. We had 10 tanks on live fire at night. Tracer rounds going everywhere. 50 cows. We're cutting shit in half, right? Shit's going everywhere. These guys come walking out. Like they can hide behind a Humvee, and we're not going to blast them. So everybody else turrets around and main guns up. We're, we're, <laughs> we're guiding the MPs down there. Oh, my God. I don't know if those guys ever made it out. I mean, they dragged them up. They beat them silly, dragged them up, put them in the ground. I don't know if those guys ever made it off the base. Interesting. Well, I mean. So what I'm saying is that you don't want to mess with a military policeman. Those guys are by the book and freaking hardcore. That's what this guy is. Well, so, I forgot what it was there, but it's like if, if you're Shalvin, you've got to say, you've got to, you've got to say first, it's not so clear. You can't accept, I won't accept, ladies and gentlemen, that he set out to kill this man. So then the question is, how, why is he dead and what did Chauvin do wrong? And that's how I would analyze it. I would be very analytical with the jury about this. And I would say, you know, it's not always so easy when you're in the, when you're in the midst of this. It's not always so well, clear cut. That's it, what I was more getting of at, a, too. Th this use of force continuum that looks great on paper, that when you're sitting in a classroom with a PowerPoint presentation, sort of like what you saw here, it's black and white. It makes perfect sense. Chauvin did it wrong. But- what if Chauvin didn't know that Floyd had these conditions? What if Chauvin didn't know that he was overdosing? What if Chauvin followed his standard logic and thought process of, well, if the guy's talking, he ain't choking, and he was talking when he said he couldn't breathe, so he's probably just asleep or passed out from his drug overdose or whatever it is, and the medics are coming. Um, that's how you ha That's where you have to be. And then you have to explain the extra delay. you got to get through that because that's a huge problem if you're defending yeah, because this guy. You got, he, they were, he, he was still holding him down and not letting the medics take him. Right. So how do you do that? Through cross-examination. I mean, the, the guy, he messed up in a lot of situations. Mm -hmm. So can I read his background? Yes. All right. He was, uh, let's see, military police <coughs> officer, U.S. Army, September 96 to February 97, again from September 99 to May 2000. Been with the police department since 2001, so he came right out of there into the police department. However, this, and I don't know what this means. The records included little detail about the 17 times Chauvin has been the subject of internal affairs investigations by the Minneapolis Police Department. 
Yeah, I mean that could be anything. It could be that he he offended somebody at a traffic ticket, so they he, they got a complaint, or it so, could be that he beat somebody up. I mean, we don't well, know. And then he he only has one documented time of being disciplined for only one incident during his tenure since '01. It included an '07 Longfellow neighborhood, blah blah. All right, investigators found that Chauvin did not have to. Re- oh, okay. So so the guy was in the car, and then he took him out of the car. Yeah, I mean the facts are basically this. In this case, hmm. the, Floyd would not get in the car. He refused to get in the car and, and resisted getting in the car, and then he ends up sort of on the ground in front of the car, and that's where all this happens. But you would have to say Chauvin um, didn't know of these existing conditions, and there was really no reason he should have known of these existing conditions because he had options, ladies and gentlemen. He had other options that in his head might have been far worse than what he was doing. So he had the option to, say, hogtie this guy. But if he hogties this guy, uh, meaning cuffs on the legs, cuffs on the hands. He probably had the same result. But the guys, then the guy's complaining of being claustrophobic, and that could result in all sorts of chaos. You know, it's like a, a total disaster. He's got people screaming at him. He's got all this stuff going on. And, you know, he screwed up, folks. He screwed up, but he didn't commit a crime. You know, he, he, he acted in a way that fits in the spirit of the use of force continuum if not the actual black letter chapters and PowerPoint that they wanted to, because let's all, let's face it in the real world, it's real in the real world. There are decisions being made in time that you can't take back. You can't say, Oh, give me my eraser here. I'm going to change my answer to this one based on what somebody else did. And I learned about years ago. I mean, this is a real world scenario. And he, if he wanted to kill this guy, I would have to ask you this, why do it in front of 20 people? cell phone camera in you why do it the way he did it here you know there's a better way i mean if he wants to just go kill people because of their race or any other reason he's got lots of opportunities to do it as a police officer i'm sure he could have done it in the car right there in the back seat right he could have just he could have done all sorts of things that would have been less documented and less on front street so it's either that a he is a complete psychopath lunatic who just kills people and doesn't give a crap or b he un, unwittingly misused and misapplied the use of force continuum based on facts and circumstances that were outside his knowledge. Like he didn't know that Floyd had a condition that would have uh, been exacerbated by his hold. He didn't know that what he was doing was going to kill Floyd. He didn't know, or if he knew that an act like this would kill Floyd, he didn't know he was doing it. He was, he was making a mistake. Now, if you're the prosecutor, you say, wait a minute. I'll take that up until a certain point when his own officers are saying, come on, man, enough's enough. When the EMT is there saying enough's enough. When, when it's, when there is obvious submission here and all you had to do was a, what they call it, the sit up or the, uh, the recovery or there's some, they just turn them over on their side in the fetal position. Just do that, man. Make sure this guy's okay. Let's just check him real quick. Here's where he's got a problem. And, I don't think it's because uh, he intended to kill Floyd. I think it's because he's in charge. Damn it! Don't tell me. Just don't. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. I'm not in charge. Don't tell me what I have to do. I'm in charge of this. I'm trained on this. I know what I'm doing, and I know that it's safe. I've been told that it's safe. I've got the training. I'm sure that anybody who says they can't breathe, while they're saying they can't breathe, they can breathe. I'm sure that anybody who is uh, going through these kind of things, I've dealt with this before. I know what I'm doing. Don't tell me I don't know what I'm doing because I always know what I'm doing. I'm always right. That's the problem with the defense. I mean, that's 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 Chauvin's problem. 
and, and and I guess it's not unlike what we predicted a year ago or whenever this thing happened. It's like he was on a power trip, damn it. Don't tell him anything differently. And uh, he's better be able the defense better have a justification for that. Yep. And the amount of times that the jury has got to see the video, it's it's embedded because they've showed yeah. it that head over in the air, that proud over, head in the air. Yep. Yeah. Yes. Well, and I know like I, I sound like I'm making excuses here. I'm not. I, I truly want to know this type of stuff because I don't deal with it all the time. What about the overall attitude in the U.S. to cops over the last eight, ten years? Cops getting killed in their cars, well, defunding police. Here's the problem. All this stuff. What about does does any of that play into how a cop responds? Of course it does. To a situation. It, it look there's there's like what they're trained to do and what the real world is and and you know this is my basic position on just about anybody know listen to us on government it's like these are people right people are flawed and flawed people do flawed things and all we can do is try to get the best out of people in some way shape or form there is no perfection and i think to say that cops ignore the word or the pressure or the heat on the street so to speak that everybody's saying they're bad they want to kill they're these horrible people let's get rid of you you guys all suck you're all racist you're even if you're not racist you're racist even if you're good you're bad even if you're bad you're worse you know whatever it is it's hard to it's hard to ignore that, and then, uh, but your question is, how does it factor? And it doesn't. I mean, look, I mean, my response to that is simple: quit. You don't have to do this job. Mm-hmm. You know, don't don't give me this nonsense that you get to kill people. If like if somebody gave me that argument in court, and I'm a prosecutor, I say, don't give me this nonsense that you have to kill people because you're worried about what's going to happen. This is your no, no. Freaking I'm not job. saying I'm not saying kill people. I'm saying how does that does that cause a, a person like this? I I know who this guy is. And this guy is high strung. I can guarantee you that. Well, you know, I, I can I can also say that I've got a good friend of mine who works for the sheriff's department, and he was an MP, military police, and did the same thing when he got out. Now, what do I do? Uh, they'll give you a job as a cop. Yeah. You know what I mean? So he started yeah. like they all sheriffs do at the at the prison. Then he's had multiple different jobs, and I've I've known him for a number of years. And I remember I talked to him once, and he was had a new guy riding with him. This he was working at the hilltop, and. uh this kid was just gung, you know, fresh because you got to do time in Radio. prison before you can get out of prison on the streets. Uh-huh. And this kid was ready to go, and he was like, "Man, I had to work with this guy because he wanted to bust people for smoking weed on a corner." He was like, "We don't do that." What do you mean? No, he was like, "You know where we're at," and there he's in a very volatile area. Right. He's like, "If you want to get anything done, it's not by knocking random heads." I mean, and right. he, want, he wanted to train this. He said, that's true policing like, is what yeah, he's talking no, about. That's it. He said, we're yeah. going to walk up. I'm going to start introducing you to people. I mean, that was his whole thing. He's like, if you don't know the people on the streets, and if you're going to come down here and knock their heads around for silly ass shit, he's like, we're going to get nothing done. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And you that's, know, that's so, the so, so they're not all, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know what I mean? That, which, but you, Sheriffs are a little different, though. Sheriffs are different. They are. And here's, here's I like the those guys. sheriffs. The sheriffs I have found are the most reasonable yep. yeah, police like officers that you can deal those with. Those dudes are awesome. They yeah. also can end up being the most corrupt for the same reason they're the most the reasonable sin- because they right. don't have Bingo. the restrictions on them. Right. Like, yes. like the like the, I happen like to the know city one. and the state <laughs> cops are. So if you're, you know, that's a, it's like anything. Discretion leads to really good things sometimes and sometimes really bad things because people can use their discretion in, in bad ways. But or mistaken ways. But Chauvin here, you know, should he have factored in or what is it? How does it factor in that he knows that everybody hates him because he's a cop? If, if somebody gives me that, I w- my response is always the same. Well, tough shit, dude. This is your job. You know, I go into a courtroom every day as a defense lawyer and I hear the same crap. 
How can you possibly defend those dirt balls? How can you defend somebody who's who raped this girl, who killed this guy, who did this to this little child, who did this or did that or did the other? And you know, if I if I had a chip on my shoulder and I just used that as a reason to say screw you people, I can do whatever I want, you would say well, that's it. that's the reason you're so bad. That makes you even worse. So my response to that is deal with it, process it, and make it a strength, not a weakness. Make it make it prove to people that you're not these things. And you know that's the hard part is like the 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 best of the best know how to take that kind of heat and then disprove it and disarm it and still function and use it as a strength, not, not a, not a, uh, an excuse. And that's what, uh, so. Now, Jared brings up a good contrasting example. So those, those guys come from the same two areas and one, this guy, man, yeah, I would not want to come up against this guy. There's no way your sheriff guy. I love those guys. Those guys are great to work with. Sometimes I've had lots of them that I think right. are corrupt as a day is long. Well, there's that too. And yeah, I guess I know one of those too. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'll say this too. Sometimes, and I can, I'm can i not going to name names because I'm here in the city, but sometimes the biggest asshole cops are the best at what they do. It doesn't mean, like, right. you could even say right. they're racist. You could say they're dicks. You could say they're, they're egotistical, narcissistic lunatics. But when I get a police report and it's got Officer X's name or, or Jones or whatever it would be on it, and I think, damn it, that guy's a dick and he always does it right. So so and so's yeah, on an OBI. So there you go. I'm thinking he's a dick. He'll do things and say things condescendingly to my clients on video as they're getting arrested. He will he will uh, be a smart ass. He won't he won't agree to any sort of resolution short of just plead guilty to everything and go hang yourself. Um, and then every time I look at his paperwork and every time I get him on the stand and every time I've had a hearing or watched him testify or do anything, he's always done it right. All right. Well, it's hard to complain about that. He's just an asshole, but he's good at what he does. So you could say, does a cop is a cop? Can a cop still be a good cop if he's an asshole? Can a cop still be a good cop if he's a racist but doesn't act on it? Could a cop like you could have a guy that's in the KKK in his secret life and then in his professional life doesn't do anything? It doesn't manifest itself at all. It, it, it to me these are logical things that just make sense. Now the question is how do you how do you make sure that that police toe the line. And here's my, here's my pet peeve. And I, I probably said it here before. You don't do it after the fact. You got to do it now in real time with every single cop, whether it's a, uh, whatever the race of the suspect is, whatever the circumstances are, hold them to the standards that apply. And here's what I mean. I've had way too many hearings where I know that a cop has overstepped their bounds. <clears throat> They've committed an unlawful search. I had one in Delaware County recently where the cop just got up and flat out freaking lied. It was insignificant, I guess, the judge thought. And, and when I try to call this on, on police officers in hearings, nine times out of ten, judges on both sides of political aisle, not only do they do nothing about it, they roll their eyes at me and get pissed at me for bringing it up. I get chastised. How dare you question a police officer doing this tough job out there and, 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 and suggesting they came in here and lied to cover their tracks for a bad search. And I'm thinking to myself, well, this is as plain as day to me. I mean, this guy just flat out fucking lied, and you're not doing anything about it. Forget my language, but come on. And, um, and, and then when something like Chauvin happens, what do you expect? These guys have all the authority in the world. They have all the power in the world, and nobody's ever called them on it because, by gosh, they're cops, and that's just how it is. And they can do whatever they want, and you end up with a power-tripping guy like this 
saying, screw you, everybody. I know what I'm doing and I'm in charge and I don't have to answer to you. And you know what? That's what he's been trained. And the judges don't get the FOP money when it comes up for re-election. That's right. They don't. That's right. You bet you <laughs> Be nice to the cops. You I bet. Mean, you know yeah. it has to follow a little, mm-hmm. maybe not 100%, but you know there's a little bit of that. It, whether it's whether it just, it's true, whether they think it's true, it's the same. Back, back in the back of their mind. Yeah, yeah. it's the same thing. And, and, and for a long time, it could just be that, look, cops have a hard job. They're first responders. They're this or that. They, look, there's always unintended consequences. I'll start with this one because it goes the other way. After 9-11, first responders were heroes. They did everything. They were the best. They were, you know, go go shake the hand, you know, fly your blue flag, do all these things. Um, and I believe in a lot of that. But I don't believe in, in necessarily congratulating somebody just because they're doing a job they signed up for. They're doing a job that they signed up for, all right? And it's a hard job. I don't – and it's not that I don't appreciate it, but it's not special in the sense that they're doing it. Nobody's forcing them to do this. They're, they're doing their job, and they're good at it, and I appreciate that. But it – if you go too far with those kind of, with that kind of thought process, you end up with people that do their job, and then maybe a little more than their job that they're allowed to do. Well, and, and I think you have special situations where they do above and beyond, they go do. back into sure. the fire but to it, get the mm-hmm. to get the. But kid it doesn't make all of them good. I guess that's right, the, that's right. the, that's the point. That's a good point. Yeah, and it's you like, can't jump on every situation. I mean, we have something right. that just happened here in Ohio at the hospital. I get up this morning and I'm looking at the dispatch and I see that they had stormed the 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 headquarters, the police headquarters. You know these protesters, and I was like, "What are they protesting?" Well, there was this shooting at the hospital mm-hmm. that happened like the day before. And once you even start reading through it or hear what I'd heard at the time, I was like, "I didn't understand it." Yeah, apparently. how can you pick every time that there's a shooting that you got to go down and protest? There's got to be a riot now. And here's the problem. Well, that's a different. Because it is, it's what Brett was getting at here. It's like individually, you can congratulate a police officer, a first responder, anybody for acts that seem to be not not just not just within their job. I don't. I guess I don't want to. I don't want to be misunderstood to say that you don't do a hard job and you're not heroes sometimes. But when some people do their job exceptionally well and shaking their hand and saying, "Doing good job, man." But I guess the problem is that you 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 made a great point. Is that that doesn't make everybody a hero who wears the same uniform? No, not at all. It, some of them are still bad people, and some yeah, bad people still do heroic things, and <clears throat> that's okay. But I guess that's the difference, and that's the this is the fundamental difference that we are facing in our society. I well, don't think and, you can paint that brush on everybody as a group or a collective. You have to judge people individually, and as soon as we stop doing that, as soon as we have stopped doing that, all cops are bad now. All cops are good now. Neither is true. Right. Neither of those things is true. <coughs> Some cops are really bad. Some cops are just dumb. Some cops are really smart. Some cops are assholes. Some are really nice. And some of them might be good at their job and some of them might not. And then some suspects are bad. Some are just making mistakes. Some are going to be friends. You can't judge any group that way based on your gender, based on your identity, based on your race, based on anything. anything. So just because you're of a certain skin color, I do not believe in classifying you as, one, as, a, as like everybody else in that skin color. I find that to be racist. And it's this it's the functional equivalent to say that all police are bad because one or two are bad or maybe half are bad. The, it, it, individual our individual identity is what matters, I guess, is what I'm saying. Well, it applies to every profession. Education every gets profession. that gets that big brush as well, too. Two or three bad educators. Well, every teacher sucks. Every te- They're bad. The teachers They're bad. suck. They're horrible people. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Every, every profession. Oh, people in the South, they're all racist. They're all, all racist. This, uh, people up North, you know, they don't know. Blah, blah, blah. You know, it's like right. it is a, it is a, it is, well, it's the path to what we're dealing with. We have riots, like you said, because of what happened at St. Anne's. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what happened at St. <clears throat> Anne's yet. This is weird. But I know this, is that the facts aren't out yet, and we're having riots. Yeah. Why is that? You know, it's because of this broad brush we're talking about. And I think at, top, there, at the top of this, there are people who take advantage of this. I mean, there are people that, that, that instigate this for an agenda that, is, that transcends what the people are rioting about. But I, I also think that we, the more we as a society encourage, and I'll just say it, man, the, the media is the worst. They are the worst at it. They love it when cops do something bad because then cops all get painted with that crappy brush. They love it. And whether it's because it sells papers or, or likes or clicks or whatever, or whether they just they believe it, yeah. I don't know. But. What was coming down here this morning, Channel 6 is just waiting outside the Columbus Police Department. Yeah, I three, saw that too. Three, six, and they're just looking in the window, looking in the doors like, yep. they're just waiting. Just waiting. What? And and the facts aren't released. Now, there's another one we should talk about. This um, The guy in Virginia was a lieutenant in, uh, was it the Army, Jay? Yeah. Uh, maybe Air Force. I thought it was Air Force. I don't remember. It might be Air Force. It might be Air Force. But he gets pulled over. And here's the story I first heard on the news. He was pulled over. He's a black guy. And he was in uniform. And I think he got maced or pepper sprayed. Yep. And yanked out of his car and and treated very badly. And I was talking to uh, Mark Satawa on the phone yesterday about this. And that, that's what I knew yesterday. <clears throat> and I told him, I said, yeah, that one looks pretty bad. So the, the, the shooting up in Minnesota is like, all right, that's just tragic, awful. If it's a mistake, it's a mistake. And, you know, you can talk about her training or whatever. But if it's true that she made a mistake, then, you know, that's – you can't just impute intent. But this other one, boy – and I, but I said the first thing. I said, i got to follow my own rule here on this one. I want to know more. I want to know more. There's going to be a video. I want to know more. I want to know why. And, apparently, and I'm not saying any of this justifies what happened to this guy, but there is a little bit more. He didn't pull over right away. He he drove for a while. And then when he did pull over, he was sort of a dick. He was videotaping it. I mean, he was making a statement like he was he was there was friction. And it doesn't mean that he should have been pepper sprayed. I'm not saying that. But, you know, if I go into if I go start poking somebody in the chest, I'm going to get a human response a lot of times. And that's not to justify the police pepper spraying him. Mean, if it if that's found out to be bad, there'll be There'll be consequence for it. But, man, it's like if I go swimming in shark-infested waters, I'm going to get bit by a shark. You know, it's like I, I don't want to – and I know what everybody's going to say. Oh, you're just blaming the victim. That's right. No, 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 not at all. I mean, I, I guess if I'm dealing with an asshole who has a gun next to him and pepper spray, I'm going to be pissed about it. But I'm going to also think I don't want to get pepper sprayed. I don't want to get shot. I don't want any of this stuff. And, he was in and, uni with with uh, art with, with gun on. No, no, no. I'm talking about the co- if I'm dealing with a police officer. Who's got I mean, me well, I mean, the, the guy that got pulled over. Yeah. He was was he in uniform with? He was in uniform. I don't know if he had a firearm. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. But I guess I'll say this: there are more circumstances to that that probably don't justify him getting pepper sprayed. Maybe they do. Maybe they don't. I I, I don't know. But there's more to it, and it wasn't the it, that wasn't the story though. Mm-hmm. It was like he was pulled over for a traffic or for not having a, a license plate visible. And then he was, uh, because he was uh, a black guy, he was pepper sprayed. It sounds horrible, and it probably is horrible. But as I told Mark on the phone yesterday, it's like, yeah, that one sounds bad, but I'm going to wait. 
I want to know more because I'll bet you there's more. And but what you just said are great headlines. Yeah, that's it's a, clickbait it's a right headline. there. Yep. That's clickbait. And it doesn't mean that he should have been pepper sprayed. So if anybody's out there saying that, you know, yeah, whatever, give me a call. We'll have you on the show. But if uh, if it just means that people are human and people do human things, and you know, to think that cops are going to be perfect is is nonsense. And you you have to you have to understand that nobody's the same. Everybody's human, and police are going to make mistakes. And there's asshole cops, just like there's asshole defendants and asshole criminals. And there's nice criminals. I've represented lots of them. I mean, lots yeah. of people who are who are m- most compliant as they commit their crimes. But uh, then there's the kind. But it's that in how the media first <clears throat> comes out with the story. I mean, like 60 minutes, their 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 feet aren't even being held that close to the fire. They got caught with uh, Governor DeSantis in Florida. They got an interview in an air aircraft. There's multiple people. He's given a thing. Yeah. And the way they edited it, and then I saw the whole unedited version because they were playing them both, and it did make them look worse. But then when you heard, oh, well, he did answer that, and he did say, and it's just, but they clip, chop, boom, pow. This is on the uh, on Like, the if, I wa- if I wanted to edit this show, I could make you sound like a horrible person. Oh, you my could, yeah. gosh, yeah. yeah. You've yeah. said enough that you could edit it sound totally Easily. racist, yep. totally Easily. anti-cop, yep. or totally pro-cop. And this yep. is what— yeah, Exactly. Way. I could edit it either way. Oh, yeah. And I am neither. <clears throat> right. Right. I just look at people for people. They're police. They're doing their job. Sometimes they do it well. But sometimes if you wanted to pull segments out, you can make it look horrible. You can. You can. And then he said this, and then he said this, mm-hmm. and like you said, we could do it from both sides. You know, what we got to do. We got to do that. We got to do we that. Gotta, we got to take this show, and then cut it up both ways. Both ways. This Which is your you CNN feed, and this is your Fox feed. Yeah. 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 And then this is the truth, <laughs> and right down right the center, right down yeah. the middle. Right. And like that DeSantis thing, man, they made it look like he was taking money campaign money in order to pad the pockets yeah. of a grocery like was it Publix, Publix to disseminate the vaccine. And it was a pay-to-play scheme, they said. And they said that uh, they accused him of uh, taking 100000 from Publix through a super PAC contribution, and therefore Publix got the rights to disseminate the vaccine and make a bunch of money on it. And then when it all came out, it was total bullshit. Even the Democrats down there were saying, no, that's not what happened. CVS and Walgreens were doing it, and they couldn't do it fast enough, and there weren't enough of them, and they had to ramp up. We needed and help. And then they just looked at their living, their, 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 all the, the people, the older people they needed to take care of. If they put it at Publix, they had more access to the people that needed to the vaccine. Needed right. right. It was just a geographical It just made map. sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was just because you got all these these golf cart centers. Right, where people live, golf in the, it, they do. They drive golf carts. You know what I mean, mm-hmm. and and they drive it to the Publix. Publix yeah. isn't stupid. They know there's three adjoining of these retirement living areas. Put a Publix. That put a Publix with a path that they can ride their golf carts to. Yeah, and this is like so. Why it makes perfect sense for all sorts of altruistic reasons to have Publix disseminate the vaccine. They had access, greater access to the number of people who needed the shot. And he explained it, but they cut the explanation out. Even in not only that one, they There's also yeah. they interviewed. Um, gosh, who do they interview? They interviewed this Democrat. I forget his name. And the, the Democrat apparently said, no, 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 that's not what was going on. But then they cut that like they, they didn't play that interview. And uh, I guess what happened is they said they interviewed so and so about this, too. And let it down. They let it sound like this guy corroborated their story. Jeez. But he did just the opposite. I mean, it is sinister crap, man. Yeah, it's like we came up with this after we'd interviewed X. Right. They didn't say what he said. They just said we just came up with this after we interviewed him to make it 
pawing over to them. It may- See, and it still boggles my mind that that we have not politicians, whoever it might be, have have not realized. Do not rely on the media to get your message out. You need to figure out a way to get your own message out, whether get a camera in front of you and do a yeah. YouTube live well, and just lay it out there on what the and hell happened. What's going to happen is the media is going to shoot themselves in the foot. I mean, it's yeah. like they're losing credibility day in and day out. And remember when Trump did this, like like Trump, hate Trump, whatever it was, but he knew enough to bring his own camera crew into that interview because he goes, they're going to cut this out, but I'm going to I'm going to have the whole thing. And, you know, it, it was a huge difference. <laughs> what they played on the air and versus what the whole thing was. Because yeah, we've talked about this numerous enormous. times about what we do here at Channel 511. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, the idea is you have these yeah. longer form conversations and you can't, you know, there's always a time to explain yourself. But if you have a 10, if I'm a politician, given a, a 10 second soundbite, it's about as dangerous oh, as it gets, God. man. Oh, that's horrible. As dangerous as it gets. Because so. there's nothing that's not that complex you can explain in 10 seconds without it just sounding He's guilty. He's guilty, right? He oh, look at this guy. He sounds horrible. So, which is why I think it is a great exercise to come in here and cut this up. We can we can explain <laughs> just how it happens. Like, listen to this racist guy. Listen to this guy. He loves police. Listen to this guy. He's the he's the mm-hmm. friend of the defendants. But, I, you know, it, it, to me, it's um, it's the responsibility of the public eventually to say, I'm not going to listen to any of this. And I've gotten there, man. I can't. I read a news story now. I don't believe it. It's like how there was a time in my life, not even that long ago, where if I picked up a newspaper and read it. I might be able to say, eh, all right, that's a little slanted, a little biased, but by and large, I believe the facts. Now I don't. Well, I, I learned a long time ago. I was what my father was watching the news. He worked for SkyMed and the Lucasville prison riots. I don't know if you remember that. Oh, that yeah, was very well. Yeah, and uh, they were like, you know, I mean, medevacs were on call, and they showed a, a a picture of the helicopter landing there. My dad was like, yeah, we were on call. We're always on call. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, he's right, like, right. We're we're. <laughs> We're a medevac, and he was like, that video of me landing there, he was like, that wasn't today, because he'd worked. And he was, I remember he was just as mad as he could get that they showed this footage, mm-hmm. looked like that he was landing at the prison. He was like, that that's old footage. Mm-hmm. He's like, they had crazy? that from none and none. They, 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 right. they went there for something else, and they got footage of them landing. So, they, so it looked like that day at Lucasville, they had helicopters landing, things were going on, but they weren't there. That didn't happen. Right. I, I've been interviewed multiple times on the news, oddly enough. Like at the barbecue, I had a couple crazy things. We had a uh, high-speed chase that ended in my restaurant. And uh, <laughs> and and, the, and they, they showed up there. Now, on that, every time they would ask me a question, I'd be like, we just had all these hot ribs. And I don't know. I had things that I just... <laughs> and, 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 and she would stop each time, and I would come out with a new one. You know what I mean? And because I, I was like, that car pulled in all hot. I was like, he was moving fast. Now we're pretty used to that because we sell out. I mean, you know, and, and and each time she was like, are you gonna keep doing that? I was like, yes, yes. ma'am. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna advertise. I'm gonna talk about our cheesy potatoes and our pulled pork sandwiches. And the guy that ran in here. Because it was a long race. It started at Columbus 161, then New Albany picked it up, yeah. in Johnstown, and then he ended in my barbecue. And it was uh, it was the eve of uh, it was Thanksgiving Eve. We oh, were, yeah. we, you guys were busy. So, so yeah. we were getting ready for that. We we're doing a late night prep, and I remember this guy nice. pulled in, and then he goes running off into the woods behind the restaurant, and he had a black satchel on him. And uh, then he it was crazy. He ended up going into our landlord's son in law's house, and plugged in his cell phone. We, and uh, the one guy that lived in the house was in the shower. All right. Oh my god! And uh, he was getting out of the shower, and he heard like some ringtone that he's not used to. Right? And he's like, "What the hell is this?" And he comes out, literally towel around, <laughs> and he sees his phone that's plugged in, 
looks over, sees this kid that's in the house, and the kid just takes off out of the house. Boy, talk about crap in your pants, man. No oh kid, my God. crap in your towel. So yeah. this kid, his phone was dead. He must have needed to call help. You know what I mean? <laughs> so he goes in, goes into a house, plugs it in. Then they're chasing. They got the helicopters. You know what I mean? Because he's in, there's a wooded area behind there, and uh, they they finally ended up you know catching him and getting him <laughs> out. And then so by the time the helicopters are there, and you know the race came all the way from started probably around Cleveland Avenue, I do believe, and ended up in Johnstown. So a high speed <laughs> chase that long that was going. And the news was there, and uh, I was talking about, you know, cheese potatoes, pulled pork sandwiches, and people pull in fast like that all the time because, you know, it's fresh daily, and we're out, we're out, and uh, they don't want to miss out on the ribs. That's awesome. And then there was one where That's Lynn beautiful. called me out because they were doing, there was this guy that wanted to protest the construction of this bridge uh, on 62, which I'm going to be honest with you, we, we, it can use infrastructure all the time, but he had a problem with it, the spending of the money. And he wanted to know if he could go out there and stand and, and protest. And I was like, yeah, I don't care. It was a single guy. Wait a minute, on your? Like on the, on, right there at 62, there's that little bridge yeah. that we go right for the restaurant. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so I told him, I was like, sure, man. He's got a sign or whatever. I'm like, sure. And then uh, next thing I did, the, he called the media. The media showed up. And uh, my whole quote to him, once again, I was just talking about the <laughs> restaurant. Because they were like, can we interview you? I was like, yeah, you can interview me. And then I got beans with fresh bacon. But now they had edited this one too that made me sound more like I was on that guy's because they were going to close. Because when they do that, they had to close down 62. That's a very big artery. Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. And, 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 so, and it's not good for my restaurant either to have that bridge closed because they were going to close it. And then after they get done with that project three months later, they were going to close it again to build a pedestrian size. And my whole theory was this. I really think that they should build the pedestrian bridge and the main bridge at the same time. And I'd said a few other things there, but when I edited it, it was like, ah, they, because Lynn, she, I stopped by her some, she's like, so you're a building expert now. Because she saw it on the news. Oh, and they did just taking a little bit. They had just taken enough out of there to make it, make me sound like I didn't want the bridge. Man, I learned that lesson in a, in a case early on. I made some, I got some quotes and I was like, well, wait a minute. I, did I say that? And I had to think about it. And I did say that, but I also said like five things before and five things after. And it, it, it was taken out of context and sound. And I've said stuff like where I thought I was off the record joking with reporters and ended up airing that. And I, that happened to me on, uh, on, um, the AP hmm. on, on a national case. And I was just like, well, I feel like a jackass because I said something totally stupid, you know, and I was joking, but it was, uh, it came out. And uh, all my buddies, my phone's lighting up. Hey, what's up? What's up? Nothing but is ever done, off the record. You've done interviews before where they've called you like as an expert or somebody to talk about a case. And whenever you see the end of it, you're like, they, they've, they've, they've chopped it up. Oh, they cut the crap out of it. I did that on, um, there was a shoot. Remember the shooting out in Dayton a couple of years ago? The guy, uh, the, it was a, one of the mass shootings in Dayton. The guy got a gun and was shooting. And I got calls an expert on that, and I gave my two cents on it, and it was totally butchered. And I know those reporters; they're friends of mine. I mean, they, it was like they, they butchered it, and I get it. And now, what I've learned, though, here's the thing: and politicians probably know this too. Almost un, uh, unconsciously, I speak in sound bites now. I give them little nuggets of of what I think will will air and sound good in like a ten second or two second uh, clip, and you just start doing it, and you, you have to. You just got to give them little cliches or little metaphors or a little this or a little that. And then when I've had the opportunity to give longer form stuff, 
it gets butchered. You know. I, All right, I'm a reporter, uh, Mr. Palmer. Why do you think Derek Chauvin is innocent? I don't think Derek Chauvin is innocent, but I don't know if he's guilty either. <laughs> we have fresh tater salad here today. <laughs> So usually That's I would beautiful. get usually I would get a question like uh, so, Mr. Palmer, how do you feel like the defense is going? I'd be I say, listen, I don't know what the strategy of the defense is, and I'm not sure where they're going with it. I'd be very curious to know what their experts are going to say because we have these issues of causation, and you have issues of intent. Now the prosecutor's done a pretty good job so far of establishing causation, but I think they're still struggling with the intent side. I'll be very anxious to hear what these next experts have to say. I've said nothing. Said nothing. Right. Nothing. Right. But he didn't put it lawyer talk podcast in there at all. I'll tell you what, man. I, I, I can use some ribs and right. some freaking cheesy potatoes right now. <laughs> and tune in to lawyer talk to podcast. Lawyer. Yeah. Yeah. Lawyer podcast. Yeah. yeah. No, that's podcast. beautiful. That's beautiful. Yeah. But I've learned a lot about that. Where the, and a lot of times they'll stick a microphone in your face. you got a big media case. you got a microphone in your face. Uh, Mr. Palmer, we noticed you're on this case. What can you tell us about uh, about what's going on? Well, I know actually very little. The prosecutor's got all the discovery right now. I'd be anxious to hear what they have to say. Maybe we can get them over here and have a talk with them, too. <laughs> oh, my God. That's beautiful. I'm waiting on discovery, and, and, you know, we didn't get that in advance. Sometimes we can, but this time we didn't. Maybe Mr. O'Brien's got something to say about it, too. You know, we can you know, deflect, like, deflect, deflect, I, deflect. I've done, I've yeah. done that. Wow. That's 25 years of being in the trenches right yeah. there, folks. Deflection. Or, or you get, like, uh, is, is your client, what's your client's plan as far as defending the case? Well, I just got the case. I know right now we're going to enter a plea of not guilty, and we'll see what the prosecutor's plan is on proving the case. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Oh, my God, that's beautiful. <laughs> you know, it's like... I, I mean, you, it's like warm oatmeal. <laughs> you, guys, <laughs> you guys know as much as I know. In fact, you may know more. Not quite cold, not steaming hot for sure. <laughs> or like the... the like Baby now bear. I just call it... What was the one recently? It's like, well, how, how do you think your client's family feels about this? I was like, they're miserable. Their son is going to prison. Yeah. They're utterly miserable. And just I just leave it on them. Now. It's like, yeah. Come on, that's the dumbest question that's I've ever heard. Stupid like, question. how do they feel about it? Yeah, it sucks. Is that an NPR film? I'm not <laughs> sure they're in Cancun right now. Right. Have you ever said, do you have children? How would you feel if your son was going to prison? I don't do that. <laughs> I don't do that, but I've thought it. You know, it's like, yeah. come on, how does the family feel? Yeah, they're miserable. Their son's going to prison. What do you want me to tell you? So, yeah, that is a dumb question. I've it, heard it asked. I've seen yeah. it. How is the family doing? Uh, well, how does the family feel about this? Crappy. <laughs> Awful. Really shitty. Well, and it's right it's up there. Time. It's right up there next to the 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 victim that passed or that was killed. Who's the greatest person in the world? You know, we, I, I can't believe he's, he, he, she's dead. She, honor student. I mean, it's it, always, no, right. no bad person's ever killed. It seems like, you know, you it's never, so much potential. So, so much, much yeah, there oh, you boy. go. So much potential. So potential. Much potential. I love that oh, one. Everybody's gosh. got potential. Potential cut short <sighs> by the innocent, by the acts of a, you know, what, what else are you going to hear from about that person at that point in time? Well, and you wonder, it's like, a, it, it, there was a time that, that court used to be, like the town square, you would go, that's what you did for entertainment. And you, in that, they had two story courtrooms and you could go and sit in the balcony and people, that's what they did all day long. And when I started practicing, there was a handful of folks who their daily life was court watching. They were just, we call them really? the court watchers. Yeah. <laughs> and I got to know most of them. There was like three or four that we would get to know and they'd see me in the elevator. It's like, are you guys in trial? 
guys in charge. <laughs> Where are you going to be when Eric and I would try a lot of cases? That's awesome. Because they liked watching. I mean, they just enjoyed it, and that's gone. And I wish maybe that's a problem because now it's all just reported in sound bites on the media. But these folks would actually go in and get into the, they would get into the nuance of the case. And when you do that, you realize that what you're seeing on TV is total nonsense. It's oh. BS. It, and that's why, like, to keep up on Shalvin, it would take me eight hours a day to just watch. And then another, you know, the contemplation time afterwards about what's going on. I mean, it would be really hard work to, to really take on. If you wanted to dissect it, that's what you'd have to do. <laughs> that's what you'd have to do. I mean, yeah. you'd have to get so that's in, prior you, to I mean, court TV then, right? That's pre court TV. Yeah. I was right about the right, yeah. right, right yeah. around there. Yeah. But yeah, I'd imagine court yeah. TV probably gained some interest after you. I mean, I'm sure like you said, at one point in time, there's another entertainment that oh, was a big it. thing. It kind of fizzled. OJ. But then I could see where Court TV brought people back to be like, you mean, because I've, I've talked to people before and they've said to me, well, you can just go to court? Yeah. I was like this. Yeah. Yeah. Public. They're like, what would you what do you have to do? I'm like, park, go. Yeah. Walk in, sit down. Pass the metal detector. You're good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't walk out the wrong door. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that door jailed. This one freedom. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly don't heckle. Right. Oh, man. I talked about it on the show. Whenever I was at trial with these guys in Newark, right, I walked That's in and, uh, <laughs> and 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 it was something. I had, to go, I had to turn my phone back or something. There was something that for some reason I had to run back out to the car. And I was walking around. And I was looking and I see the door that was close to like my car's parked over here. I opened the door up and it's like, and I already have PTSD around <laughs> law. I do in law enforcement. I do. I mean, I, I totally scot-free and, and doing nothing wrong, not even speeding. And the cop pulls out behind me, man. I break out in a sweat. My heart starts to flutter. And if I got pulled over, I would look guilty of something. Yeah, oh yeah. Right? Just because I'm so scared. Guilty of living. I mean, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And so as I walk in, then I'm sitting out in the car, and it's... <laughs> and it finally shuts off, and I go back in, and the sheriff that's there is like this. Yeah, next time you want to leave, go ahead and use that door. <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah. Well, that, and then, you know, you were heightened anxiety, because we yes. worked on that trial. It's yes. a big case, you know. And when you walk into a courthouse like that, on our side, you're the enemy. Yes. Yeah. You're the enemy. They do not like you. Uh, and I don't want to say it's personal, but it's like you're treated like, yeah, you, we realize you got to do your job, but, you know, your guy's guilty and he ought to go to prison forever. The bailiff said, I can't even bl- believe you guys are trying this case. Can't believe it. I don't know what you guys are doing with this. Can't, I'm, yep. Uh, right there. Is, can't believe you're here. Rolling his eyes. Like, uh, I said, yeah, I guess you know, he says he's not guilty. And so, like I man. said. I pulled up there, met him early, and we had been. We had been going through this, and I was involved in it, and I was reading, and I was taking pictures, and I was driving around. I knew the area of where everything happened, and and I get there, and I remember parking, and I just, as I was walking in, oh, yeah. and I was going through, and then, yeah, because it was like no cell phone, and you need me to take it back out, and then I was carrying some stuff in or something. Yeah. I went upstairs. I was like, I got to take my phone out, ran down the stairs, and I set the alarm off. <laughs> <laughs> and and then now I had now I'm sitting outside in my car, and I'm like, you got to walk back in. <laughs> you you know what I mean? And there's only one way in. One way in, man. <laughs> I'm back. Here I am again. And he's just like, next time you want to leave, use that door. Right. Yes, yeah, I was like, thank you. Sir. You got it. Good advice. Thanks. Yeah, but that was uh, you know, you we walked in there and we were. But as you said, I saw things that went on that I had no idea. 
There's things that go on that the jury has no idea about whenever you're getting ready for your appeal or if there's a need for an appeal. Whenever they would leave and then you guys and the prosecutor and the judge were working through all these different things that it is not law and order. No, it's like law and order is you know the, I mean? the, the truncated 15-minute murder trial. Yeah, it's which is it's there's a lot of other going ons. But there was nothing more satisfying two days later than walking out of there after ramming it up their backside after they said, why are you even here? <laughs> and it just goes to show uh, the perception of what is actually going on is always different than what's really, or the perception of it is not always reality. I guess what I'm saying. We, we knew the defense to that case and we had a defense to that case. And if the judge would have really let us present that defense, we would have really blown them away, but we got our, we got gutted. And if everybody saw that one way and we came in and, and really just sort of opened eyes. And that's my favorite thing to do. That's my favorite thing about this job. And I remember, you know, I was, I got talking to somebody about the Chauvin trial to bring it back to that. And he asked me, I was like, do you, do you want Chauvin to win? And I, and I was like, yeah, I do. And I had to think about that. And I said, yeah, despite all this, I sort of do. And, and, I, and, the, and the reason is, is because I love fighting against the mob. I love it. And it's not that I want, I think Chauvin's a great guy or what he did was awesome or whatever it is, but I always, always, always root for the underdog, even the bad guy. And I don't know why. It's, maybe it's, it's, it's ingrained in me from my job because if it, like the, the case you're talking about, everybody looked at our guy as a Chauvin. You know, he was the bad guy. He was this awful person. He was this terrible <clears throat> dude who did these awful things, and he was guilty and ought to go to prison. I mean, he was looking at 20 years on that mess, I think, the way that was stacking up, 15 to 20 and when you hear the charges in the first, when you hear it laid out, it sounds really bad. Yep. But then when you start to hear more, it's kind of like, oh, hold on, hold on. Yeah. And that's what Steve always says. Layers, he always brings always it more. Well, that's why I like talking to Steve. He always brings it back to well, what's really going on. Yeah. What's the motivation? Let's yeah. actually look at everything, not just what you're not hearing or what you're hearing in the media, which is, you know, a sliver. Yeah. Of what's going on? So there's a and for that there's a little part of me that wants Chauvin to win. There's a part of me that I knows knows I shouldn't care, and then I just I'm curious what's going to happen. But I guess the part of me that wants him to win is this: if there's always a danger that the mob justice is going to take over and ruin it for everybody, and you it's the old saying: you'd much rather have a hundred guilty or a hundred innocent people go free, or a hundred guilty people go free than one innocent man convicted. And there's a, uh, to me, when we are willing to forego basic safeguards of due process, of proof beyond a reasonable doubt, of a fair trial, of all of that, and I've heard this, in the, like from people in Congress saying, we don't need a defense. We don't need to see, why do we even have to listen to this defense? Right. And that makes me root for the guy who is the underdog. It just does. And in this case, that happens to be Chauvin. And I, I, am I rooting for him? Not in that sense, but in the sense that, Look, if he's convicted, I want it to be fair. I want it to be based on good, solid defense work and good, solid police work and a fair assessment and a fair shake out of the jury because anything less gets turned on us and it's ruined for everybody. And anybody who thinks ever anything else, shame on you. Come on here and we'll debate it. But it's like I, it's not that I'm rooting for what he did. It's like I'm rooting for the cause of the system here because it just seems in this day and age, man, we are all too willing in certain cases to say – Forget about that. I don't need to know anymore. He's a dirtball and he's guilty as sin. 
I would so, have to, I would have to sit in there before I could pick a side. I'd have to know more. Let me ask you this: Anyone out there? <clears throat> do you want a trial by media? Well, that's always the case, right? Hell everybody, no. Everybody wants to no. in it. I hear this so often. Boy, I've always said this about about uh, like what you guys do and people charged with crimes, but now that I'm here, I see it differently. You know, because they mm-hmm. realize that it's it's the the arm of the government and the arm of the angry mob. When those two are on the same side, man, it is. It is a vicious, vicious club that they carry. And if they're willing to forgo basic safeguards to get a conviction, then, uh, boy, nothing is impossible at that point. Everything is on. Everything is in That's play. That's scary. And, yeah. Well, and, and, you know, we brought up OJ briefly. We're a whole generation from that OJ trial. Yeah. Right. We have people that are watching this right. have no but, concept but look, to how long look that how was that's affected wow. the landscape. But yeah, for sure. All it's these still years has, later. Still has its effects. You oh, my goodness. Yeah. 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 And it's – <clears throat> OJ, OJ. I wanted OJ to win for the same reason because I just felt that I, I, I still think he was guilty. I still think he did it. But I felt like this is a show trial. This is chaos. Mm-hmm. This is awful. And it just it just didn't seem And it was shoddy work. It just didn't seem right. It didn't seem fair. It just I, I don't know about it. I guess whenever I see that kind of stuff going on, I I always think Man, what could happen if this repeats time and time again? If you have this kind of chaos repeating time and time again, then what's going to happen? Like, if the mob can say we don't need to hear a defense in this case, then what happens when it's when I'm accused of something I didn't do, or when you are, or when whoever's listening is? And don't think it can't happen to you because everybody that it's happened to said that at one point. It can't happen to me. It can't happen to me. And now it's happening. You have people going to prison for decades and getting out on DNA exonerations. And if you don't believe that, you're you're just you're lying to yourself. If you don't believe that we have killed people who are innocent, you're lying to yourself. Mm-hmm. The government sucks at everything and prosecution is no different. It it the government suffers the same infirmities <clears throat> that the rest of us do. Confirmation bias, uh, politics, power, money, ego. Everybody has an agenda and it, I think our system is designed to smoke that out and get to the truth. And if we're willing to, and that, that requires us to do it the same every time. You have to do it right. And if you don't do it right, it's like the scientific method. This is that article. Mm-hmm. It, 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 the scientific method is designed to eliminate uh, confirmation bias even when you know that you don't have confirmation bias because that is the definition of right. confirmation bias. Right. Right? That's it, right? So right. if you think that, oh, this is real simple and we don't need this in this case— well, this may, that's when the biggest catastrophic mistakes have occurred, both scientifically and in the courtroom. So to me, if Chauvin's convicted, so be it. He's guilty. He's fine. I don't care. But I want the case to go forward, and I want the defense to be heard, and I want it to be a better defense, I think, than what he's getting. And the reason is because if he's going to be convicted, damn it, let's do it right. And that way we can send the right message to people. That way you can. That way, all the other cops out there who might engage in this kind of behavior will say, they, they will not be able to say, well, this was a bunch of crap. We're getting shafted by the system. The system is against us, and we're going to just uh, we're gonna just keep it. That's going to encourage bad behavior on their part. Now, if the case is defended vigorously, if he gets all the safeguards of due process, and then he's convicted, well, you've cut a lot of that off at the heels. Then they can't say it wasn't a fair trial. Then they can't say it wasn't right. Then they can't say all the facts didn't come out. So if you're going to do this, if you're going to take this on, if you're going to grab this case by the horns and prove it, well, then damn it, do it and let him have his day in court and don't skew it against him, media, press, whoever. And that's, I guess, what I'm rooting for here. And 
I guess, and the reason is because when, like in in Joe Blow case out in that county, Jared, when we went in there, nobody knew that guy. It wasn't on the, it wasn't in the news, it wasn't in the press, it wasn't in the papers, uh, it wasn't talked about. But we walked into a situation where immediately the cards were stacked against us, and it was obvious. And anybody who has experienced that will feel differently about this uh, the second you do, because it feels like the weight of of the world is on you, and there is you you feel as helpless as you can when everything you ask for no, everything you want no, even when you're right no, and it is um, if if it happens and people don't give a crap because damn it they know better and this time we're right none of this matters because this guy's a dirtball, and there'll be times you'll hear a big publicized case that years later down the road you'll hear about some evidence that wasn't allowed in. Oh, you bet. And then oh. you'll hear it and you're like, whoa, because you, you mean your whole time, you, you watched it on Dateline, right? right? And you were like, mm. you were with it. You, you walked through the whole story that they put on for it, and you're like, hey, I'm glad they got that guy. Mm-hmm. And then a couple years down the road, they got to come back with another story because this just came out and they didn't even know. The Dateline, whoever was even producing it doesn't even know what's not allowed in a lot of times. Sometimes they do, sometimes it gets leaked, sometimes they don't know. I mean, we had things... That were not allowed in, like a nine one one call. Yeah, and I remember I was sitting there whenever they were like, I was like, I wanted to be like, uh, I want to raise my hand. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, no, on the nine one one call. <laughs> you know, but then Steve was like, this. Well, then we'll call in the nine one one operator. Ah, there's you know always I mean? so, another way. So that's how you got to think about it. You know, yeah. I mean, who are you hiring? I'm mm-hmm. going Yavich and Palmer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like, the. I mean, so anybody, like trial work, whatever happens in the courtroom <clears throat> is like not even the tip of the iceberg. It's like the crystal on top of the tip of the iceberg. And whatever goes into that is like, uh, you just wonder, uh, there's, there's a bunch of chess movies out lately. You've seen those? Mm-mm. There's one that uh, the Netflixers is pretty good. Oh yeah, um, and then there's another one on uh, yeah whatever it is the the gal who plays chess. Yeah. But th- then the other one on Bobby Fisher. Uh, there's a there's a good movie I saw recently on Bobby Fisher, and then there's another one who's like an American who's going to be a Russian or a spy and whatever it is. But got me thinking about chess again. And those guys, their brains are <laughs> thinking like they see a board and there's 20 moves mm-hmm. in like. Uh, times 10 because there's like 10 different things you can do, and they know like 20 moves after all 10. And that's sort of like what trial work is. I mean, if they say, no, you can't use the 911 call, well, I didn't say it out loud when we were preparing because in my head I'm thinking, all right, if he says no to that, I better have somebody do that, and I'll do that. And if he says no to that, I'll do that. And if I get this answer from the 911 operator, i got to go plug in this little macro in my brain, and this is the cross, or that's mm-hmm. that. I mean, that's what goes through your head, and it, it just takes years of experience to, to get to that, like any other profession. I mean, you get to the point where you've got it, and you've got it um, – you've got the process in your head and you, you're doing things that you don't even know that you're doing. And I suppose mechanics are that way and everybody's that way. You just... well, I, dude, you're doing a forensic analysis is what you're doing. That's really what it is. It's a real-time forensic analysis. I do forensic analysis on geology stuff. So that's in the past. I try to put the puzzle together without all the pieces. You're yep. doing that in real time, thinking ahead of what your options are. It's just a big giant flow diagram, and you're trying to figure out where you go. Yeah, what's next? How do we do this? Yeah. And then you have the dynamics of human emotion in it. And then you have, like, the prosecutor who has a whole different version of this, and you're wondering how they could have a different version of it and what they're going to do. So it's it's sort of interesting. But 
Anyway. At least with chess, you've got rules that are standard. You walk into a court and it, the judge is making up the rules as they go along almost. And, too. and yeah. you know what that is? That that is the that is the manifestation of mob justice right there. Because if the angry mob wins one time, then what happens is the standards get changed for everybody because it becomes easier the next time to say, well, screw it. This guy's guilty anyway. If I say no to letting this evidence in, maybe the court of appeals reverses me, but probably not. It'll probably be harmless error. And, you know, we'll just get this done. He's guilty and, and blah, 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 blah. Um, and I've experienced that so many times that it, it just, I don't care who the defendant is. If it were somebody who killed a cop, I'd say the same thing. If it were a cop who killed somebody, I'd say the same thing. As long as they're like the underdogs and the mob is against them, that's when that brings, I said this to Mark and he agreed with me too. It's like, that always brings out my best. Always. Always. When, when you feel like the world's against you and you really got to, you got to hunker into your foxhole and fight it out. That's always where they get the best because that's when you're forced into a spot where you've got to deal with every, every decision goes against you. Every ruling, every person, the bailiffs, the, the, the deputies, everybody in court, the prosecutors, everybody thinks you're crazy for even being there and representing this guy. And that's when, that's when, that's where the rubber meets the road. Well, and, and it forces you to figure out the right course of action, the correct course of action for your client. Yeah, it's lonely, man. I mean, it's like, yeah. you're like, <laughs> well, you know, that's, that's kind of loaded the correct, you, you figure out multiple, like you said, it's a chess. Right. No, I know. You know what I mean, and sometimes what you wanted to do, you're not allowed to do, or yeah, you there's you're gonna move. It's gonna change throughout. Well, that's why I mean, or correct. Like you, you can also, can't go but, here. There's, but there's usually like a lot of times, it's three different ways that you could go about it. Right. And you have to be like, we got to pick one because if you go with too much, then it just muddies the water and and it confuses everybody. Well, mm-hmm. it's also in Steve's mind probably a probability of if we do this, then most likely this. Or this is where I want to go. If I can't go there, then what, what's the best other option? Well, sure. And then your gut gets in the way. It's like you want so many times you're enticed to do something like, man, I really want to do this. I want to ask this question. I want to ask this question. You're thinking, don't ask the question. I want to ask this question. Don't ask it. I want to. I want to. I want to. I want to, I want to. Don't do it. Sit the hell down, dumbass. And then you ask the question. And sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't work. And then there's times where I know I'm doing something unconventional. And I don't give a crap. It just is what it is, and we're going to go with it. And that's that flow that even the next day, I, there was a case that I had where I had to cross-examine a victim, an alleged victim. I think my guy was found not guilty, but I had to cross-examine this person. And I wanted to do it. It was the end of the day, and her direct testimony ended, and I stood up to do it, and they took a break. And I had to come back the next day and do it, and I just knew. I was like, damn it. You lost it. It's not there. And it's not that I lost the jury. I lost my Yes. Mm. I lost yeah. where I, I I could say it yesterday. I can't say it today. Yep. And I That's don't crazy. know why. And I don't know Isn't why. Isn't that crazy? It is crazy. Because yeah. I, oh, yeah. I had that. I had that. It, mojo. It's like this mindset, a mojo. It's it's like it's that in even in sales, man. Yes. Like yeah. when you're trying to sell something, like I'm trying to sell to an engineer or a scientist. Some days, man, boom. The next day, it's like, I can't pick up the phone. I know. And it's. I'm like, what the hell's that? I know. You're in the flow of it. I can't imagine doing that. And you're up and doing yeah, what you're doing in front of people like that. Oh my God. They just disappear. I mean, it's, it's just sort of, they're, they're there and they're not there. And you're, you're always trying to have an audience and you're trying, you, you got, I guess, but that's a good point. You have to understand like the Chauvin guy, this defend, they need to understand who's watching and, and what this is about and the dynamic of what the jury is, is picking up on. Because what we're seeing isn't that, you know, when I'm, when I'm right. playing armchair yeah, that's quarterback. What, and that's what Jared said. Yeah. Yeah. 
I'm not there seeing that. I don't know, there, and nobody can. You don't know the nuance of what the defense attorney is feeling, and that can change how you present the case. Even if it looks technically screwy to me as, as an observer, sometimes that's all right because you know that you've got a different thing going on in the dynamic of the courtroom. And, you know, at the end of the day, here's what it comes down to is, is we have this, we have this bunch of things we have to balance. Like you heard objections and we fight about evidence and fight about this and fight about that. But a lot of times we have to pick a strategy that later on, if I lose the case, somebody looks at it and they're like, well, man, you could have done this, this, and this too. And you're thinking, well, yeah, I could have, but then I've split my defense three ways. And like you said, the jury can't, it's too much. It's and, no, and no matter what, Mr. Derek Chauvin, his life is not going to be that good. No, he's done. I mean, his. I mean, was, well, if, yeah. well, I mean, he's going to be who he is. Mm-hmm. Okay, if he goes to prison, that's going to be really <clears throat> not good. When he gets well, out, not good. Mm-hmm. If he doesn't go, not, not good. good. Yep. He's got a lot. He's got a lot to learn from yeah. this because whether you look, whether he committed a crime, didn't commit a crime. What I saw on that tape, I think <clears> my gut's pretty good. He was a power tripping cop. wasn't going to be told what to do because he knew better. And I'm not even ascribing any motives beyond that, even though there there may be. I, I totally admit that there may be. And the jury's going to feel that. They're going to feel that, and they're going to be. They're all going to know that cop. Yeah. Because I've met mm-hmm. that cop. Oh yeah. And Bro. he may not be that cop, but that's what it looks like. Bro, sure I, I mean, I've I've been arrested before multiple times, yeah. and uh, <laughs> every single time I have always been just the nicest. Uh, I I just go easy. I do you know what I mean? Because I've always been told your fights in the courtroom. You know what I mean? Your yeah. fight is not 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 on, not on the streets. This guy, he, right. you know what he does? He transports you. <clears throat> he picks yeah. you up. He fills out paperwork. The, there's no no battle in here. Well, and that's the problem, maybe. With what we're experiencing now, and I, I we predicted there'd be, we we talked about more this people think they can lash back. Yeah. So, and it doesn't have to be much. It doesn't take much for people to think that cops are all acting unfairly and they're all bad people. It makes it really easy to defy them. Then, so you get to say, no, you don't get to pull me over. This is bullshit, man. So screw you. You're a pig, or you're this, or you're that, and it may be true. But the fact is, as soon as you don't, you take a course of action other than the one you've described just here, it's like your fights in the courtroom. Now we've embarked down a whole different path of policing. Now it's going to be how is, uh, where does this escalate or how much does this escalate? And it's not to blame anybody other than how society is treating this right now. Because on the one hand, you have a whole group and maybe a, a whole group of citizens now thinks that cops are all bad and everything they do is evil and marked with it and tainted <coughs> with it. And therefore we don't need to comply. And then you have police thinking, everybody hates me. Everybody thinks I'm a racist. And everybody thinks that uh, I, I don't care and blah, 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 blah. And so that's doing, on the, on the civilian side, you're acting a little bit differently when you're getting pulled over. Your, your gestures are a little bit different. It doesn't have to be a huge difference, but just a little nuance where you got a little bit of contempt in your voice when you talk to the cop. Now he's going to have a little bit more contempt when he talks back. And it doesn't make his moves that go too far justified but it explains how it happens with dealing with humans particularly imperfect ones and then what's it doing to the police force generally the cops are bailing like rats on a sinking ship the good ones are i mean i would be retiring if i had 25 years in or 20 years in i'm the experienced guy that should be training the young people how to do it right here's the lessons i learned son here's the lessons i learned young lady here's how we deal with people who are contrary to us you know it's just about the job Mm -hmm. it's not about the person 
You got to set that aside. Leave your ego at the station here. We got to go out there, Sonny, and do our job. And, you know, they're going to hate you, but that's okay. They're having a bad day. You know, it's like those are the lessons that elders give the, mm-hmm. the youngins. And they're the, also the lessons that the youngins can't learn on their own, at least not right away. So that's that's gutted now. And they're not going to be allowed to use force at all. So now you don't have in your arsenal, and the people know they don't have in their arsenal, the means to stop you from doing things that you shouldn't. So I can run away. What are they going to do? Shoot me? They're not going to shoot me now with all this other stuff going on. They're not even allowed to carry guns anymore. Yeah, it's like you can just see this is disaster. And then the other unintended consequence to all of this, after all of that, who's going to now want to be a cop? Well, that's right. It's deterring- Probably <coughs> the the bottom 20% that you don't want being a cop. It's deterring the people who would be good at that job from yeah. taking the job. And yeah. And it, it it's it to paint this broad brush and do it this way and not do it individually is back to uh, you're creating consequences here. They're going to have long, long lasting impact. And, yep. you know, it's like overly permissive parenting. It's the same. Right. You let your kid do whatever they want and you take away any authority. They're going to just go. It's, it's like they're miserable. And so are you. And now it, like good police work that we need isn't going to happen. And it's all going to be bad. <laughs> you know, that's like. Uh, yeah, it's like we're encouraging bad behavior on both sides instead of judging bad behavior individually and dealing with it one uh, one issue at a time. And uh, it, that's what happened when you paint it too broadly and you want it to fit your your narrative and that's how it's got to be. Then so be it. And that's what it is. It's no word. It's no different to me than cops treating an entire race of class or class of people the same than it is to say I'm going to treat all cops the same. It's the same. It's the same logical fallacy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. is, But. Anyway, are we done? I don't know. I think I, I. I mean, this was a pretty good lawyer talk. We talked. We talked a lot of legal things here. A little bit local, a little bit police. A little bit. Of, we we didn't even we, get into the government. We didn't. I got, uh, I got EPA stuff that I, we have to catch up with there. With oh, I, yeah? I want to talk with little scientists there. Yeah, yeah. they were no longer modifying. They want to. They want to uh, outlaw modifying vehicles. That's uh, down oh. to exhaust to a tuner oh, yeah. chip, a motorcycle. Mm-hmm. Um, that would uh, end. It, it's a job killer. Oh, sure I mean, is. They want to get it to where they can tell the manufacturers what they can make. They're trying once to, they hit the streets, we're not allowed to touch them. They are trying to outlaw the internal combustion engine. Yes, that's yes. what's happening. Yes, yeah, and, because uh, they don't like oil and gas. It's it's a it's a well, major is, job. We're killer. about to jump off a yeah, cliff. That's, that's going right. to take yeah, that's, us that's, two that's hours. That's what I'm saying. We are going yeah. there now. Well, here's how we can end this. Remember the movie The Green Berets with John Wayne? These yes. are men America's <laughs> best. Well, I remember. Uh, they, the Green Berets, because they do a lot of things that normal military don't do. Like, they'll go in and they'll do the medical for the people and all that stuff and highly trained guys, whatever. And they're doing this, uh, remember when they were doing that uh, interview session with, like, the public and the newspapermen and the one lovely house lady goes, well, the media didn't ever tell us this. And that one burly sergeant goes, well, ma'am, you could fill volumes with uh, the uh, the paper that that or the news that isn't in the paper that they give you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that uh, and it's true, right? There's, it is um, true. It's been going on our entire lives. It has indeed. So and now it's worse, though. It's worse. More to come. Obviously, we got. To, I still want to take on some of this government stuff, like you're talking about the internal combustion engine, vaccines getting pulled, all the good stuff. But for now, I think we did have a pretty good, complete lawyer talk, focusing on Shalvin and other related matters. We did a live stream, at least on audio. So if you were happening to <laughs> tune in and catch the audio, you heard it live. Hey, thanks, YouTube. 
listeners. Yeah, thank you. Now, you did <laughs> Thanks, not see Dan. the video, but I will fix that. We'll bring in the professional production crew, me, a couple hours from now and get that fixed up and make it work. But uh, generally, this has been lawyer talk off the air or on the air, off the record, whatever it would be. Uh, streaming live. No blitz today, but they'll be back next week for some phone and legal. We'll hopefully have the video uh, problems ironed out by then. Audio is sounding good from the feedback we're getting. Uh, as always here at Channel 511, lots going on, lots more happening. We had a nice fundraiser for a political crew. They came in, raised some money. Uh, we had uh, comedians on South High. They're about to go live and video streamed on their show. Uh, we got Brett sitting in for the beard, Circle 270 Media. He's bringing in podcasters left and right and up and down, mostly down because we're in the bunker in the basement. Yep. Um, we have, uh, we have now we are capable, even though not today of streaming eight different video and or computer sources live. That is eight different sources. So if you got four people at the table, plus somebody at the command center, plus they'll, be they'll believe that when they can see it. Well, they just got to take my word for it because that's all they have right now is my word. <laughs> they just have my spoken word. Right now they've got a, a symbol with a, a camera with a line through it. <laughs> I don't know what that, that's that, like, that is that, exactly what they're seeing. It yeah. looks like a, um, I don't know. it's like an alien symbol or, or alien hazardous alien. material. Yeah, has been, <laughs> right. But anyway, uh, check us out at channel five one one. If you have questions, uh, and you want them answered right here at lawyer talk, you can go to lawyer talk Send us a, uh, there's a little email interface or portal or whatever you would call it. You can just send us a question. We'll answer it. Um, once we get it worked out, they'll be able to call in and do it. Phone live. in just coming. Like, it'll be yeah. really live. Yeah. So this is like step-by-step -step baby steps. Uh, there'll be chat first and then they'll be live. So we'll be able to take your chat questions and then your live phone in questions. And those of you who really, really like the show, I urge you to pull out your credit card, go to our website, lawyertalkpodcast.com. You can go right to the bottom and subscribe on YouTube, ring the bell, do whatever you do. Uh, but even more important, or perhaps as important, you know, if you're a patron, be a Patreon. If you do, Bernie Madoff just died. Did he really? Yeah, really? passed away in federal uh, prison there. Hmm. Yep. His days of slinging the uh, jello is over. <laughs> the jello man is done. I guess no, he had a big uh, he had a big uh, uh I guess that he was he was running games inside uh, inside was prison. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah no. like I think, Yeah, I think it was jello no. and snacks and he was he was the snack man, he dude. Does, he was right? hustling right. it up. Right. He's, he's a his, hustler. He's got his own pyramid scheme. But now that we're live, prison. I figured I'd bring that to everybody. Sure. Yeah. You heard right it here there. first. Look at that. Right. Uh, so be a Patreon. What does that mean? That means just subscribe a buck a month, two bucks a month, 10 bucks a month. It's your choice. We're not going to be picky about that. And why do we want that? Because we're bringing you awesome content. Where else do you get this kind of world-class commentary on these heavy, heavy, heady topics? Nowhere. You think the mainstream media has it? Nah. Not even your favorite internet source has it. We're the best. We're going to get you the real opinions. The real deal. Or at least make you think. Let's put it that way. Yeah, we'll make you think. And, you know, if you think you don't like us, well, come on in. We'll have you as a guest. This is my favorite. My favorite. So, anyway, this has been Lawyer Talk off the air, on the air, off the record, on the air, at least until now.